and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Hear the word of the Lord. Well, uh, good morning. It's lovely to be here with you at uh, college on a, on a Tuesday morning. I'm usually only here of a Thursday, so it's nice to see uh, a few different faces and uh, hopefully get to know some of you over morning tea as well. As was just said, we're going to land this morning uh, in Matthew 12, so you might like to, to keep a finger there. But we're going to spend the bulk of our time uh, in the book of Proverbs and uh, consider one key theme in that book, uh, and that is our words. And it's only Tuesday morning. I wonder if you could hazard a guess at how many words you might have already spoken this week. A hundred, a thousand, ten thousand maybe. Um, by some estimates, and I don't know who, who had this job, uh, some estimates put it that we, ha- that we speak around 25,000 words a day. I don't know who's doing the counting, but that's one estimate. What about the number of words that you might have heard already this week? A uh, hundred... Uh, a thousand, ten thousand. Again, by some estimates, we hear something like 50,000 words uh, every day. What about the number of words that you might have read this week or should have read so far this week? A um, hundred, a thousand, ten thousand. Or similarly, how many words that you might have uh, written or should have written uh, so far this week? A uh, hundred, a thousand, ten thousand for an essay, or maybe words written on Facebook. Perhaps that is where the bulk of the writing of words has happened. <laughs> Just even a brief reflection on, on words, those words that we might uh, speak ourselves or hear or read or write. Uh, it doesn't take long to realise that words fill our daily lives. Our lives are filled with words, particularly in an environment like this, aren't they? Like college. Uh, as people of the Word, studying the Word. Uh, words are, I guess, the, the currency that, that we work with, while others might be trading in stocks and shares. Words are the currency that, that we use and that we deal with uh, in all we do each day. Um, last year, I, I spent a bit of time working uh, in the book of Proverbs and was struck afresh by this book, which at times, I guess, seems to be you know, unstructured and illogical. Uh, in, in fact, has a rich structure to it and a rich logic um, to it. That The writer, if you like, is, is urging us to choose between two different ways to live. Um, the way of wisdom uh, or the way of folly. And what the writer does in terms of, in order to, to urge us in choosing between these two different ways is that they consider a number of key areas of life. Uh, in particular, one of those areas being our words. In fact, in, in the book of Proverbs, after its teaching about wisdom, words is the next most common uh, theme and area of teaching in the book of Proverbs, our words. Uh, now that is fascinating, isn't it? And perhaps also a little bit concerning too, um, that in a book which is all about how to choose the wise way, it has the top of, at the top of the list our words, our speech, what we say, what we write, what we text, what we tweet, what we email, what we post on Facebook. Choosing the wise way has more to do with our words than perhaps anything else. Uh, in fact, whether someone is 
a wise person or a fool will perhaps be revealed more tellingly, uh, be exposed uh, by their words more than anything else. Why are words so significant? Uh, well, as the, the verse that was just read for us there from Proverbs 18.21, it's because words bring life or death, Proverbs teaches. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death. Uh, just pause and, and reflect on, uh, on the weight of that. With your words, you can bring life and healing and hope to a person. Or you can kill them, Proverbs says. One writer puts it like this, People die because of something said. Tongues can be weapons of mass destruction, launching holocausts and wars. Tongues can also be the death of marriages, families, friendships, churches, careers, hopes, understanding, reputations, missionary efforts and governments. A lie is spoken between a husband and wife, it's exposed, and a marriage is killed. There's a word of gossip and slander which is spoken and it gets back to the victim and a friendship uh, is destroyed. Rumours are spread around a church community and, and a fellowship is, is torn apart. I feel the weight of words to, to kill and to destroy. Um, elsewhere in Proverbs we read 12, 18, reckless words pierce like a sword, uh, like a knife being uh, dug into someone, wounding them, hurting them, killing them. Proverbs says that's what words can do. Words can have the power of death, the tongue. And Proverbs cites a, a variety of different ways that words can kill. Uh, it has much to say about lying. It has much to say about boasting. It also has much to say about one area in particular, gossip. Uh, what is gossip? Well, in Proverbs, it's sharing something about someone that you really should keep to yourself. So Proverbs 11.13, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Uh, you know something uh, about someone, and it will do no good to others by, by spreading it around, and yet uh, you share it anyway. Why? Well, probably in part because it advantages you and disadvantages them. Uh, but also, it can taste so good to share gossip. Proverbs 18.8 The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Uh, in that moment, it feels good to sink our teeth into gossip or to be on the receiving end and hearing it. It, it tastes good. But what's the effect? Proverbs warns that friendships are killed. 16.28, a perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. Um, you perhaps know that, that kind of damage, close friends being separated and it coming back to bite you, perhaps not least because people don't trust you with information anymore. Um, to gossip in Proverbs is not to choose the wise way. Proverbs 17.9 makes that explicit. He who covers over an offence promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Someone did wrong, has an annoying quirk, is frustrating or difficult. You have two choices, to, to repeat the matter, to spread it around, and so separate close friends, Proverbs warns. 
or you can choose to cover over the offence. It doesn't need to go any further than just you. Do you know that the, the persons of the Godhead are speaking about uh, you to each other? That in the, the courts of heaven, the Son and the Holy Spirit are speaking to the Father about you. They're, they're speaking behind your back, so to speak. And what are they saying about you behind your back? Well, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, the Son is speaking in your defence, advocating for you to the, to the Father, pleading your case to Him. Romans 8.26, the Spirit is praying for you, taking your words, taking your prayers and making them pleasing and fitting to the Father. The Trinity is speaking about you in the courts of heaven, talking about you behind your back, so to speak, but only words which are for your good, for advancing your standing, for building you up. As one writer, Paul Maxwell, says, Jesus does not speak words of judgment or accusation about you to the Father. In fact, the Trinity doesn't speak neutral words about you at all. All speech between Father, Son and Spirit about you is overflowing with love. Gossip is the opposite of how the Son speaks to the Father about you. Imagine if all of our speech about other people behind their backs was like this. What we said of, of colleagues or classmates, what we said of family or friends, what we said about one another at church. All of our speech behind people's backs was for their good, advocating for them. All of a sudden, words that might be words of death become uh, words of life. The tongue has the power of death, but the tongue also has the power of life. And Proverbs lists countless ways in which the tongue brings life and healing and hope um, to people. Proverbs 10.11, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Uh, it's like cool water uh, overflowing and pouring out of you with life. Uh, for example, words that heal. Proverbs 10.21, the lips of the righteous nourish many. You've got a friend who's um, feeling uh, discouraged or, or empty, a child who's had a difficult day at school, and with a word, you can fill up the emptiness that they're feeling and nourish them, feeding them with, with truth and substance rather than starving them through silence or, or just hollow and empty words. Or your words can deliver people from trouble 12.6, the words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the speech of the upright rescues. You've got a friend who is living in a way that is only going to lead to harm or trouble, or another who doesn't know life that is found in Christ, and you speak words of truth to them in love and rescue them. Or you see the mistreatment of the vulnerable in the community and the world around us, and your words advocating for the needy can rescue them. Um, Proverbs says our words can heal. 12.18, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. There is a neighbour who has been wounded by the words of, of someone else, and you can bind up those wounds with your words, words of kindness and grace and gentleness and love. 
Your words, they can also um, diffuse an explosive situation. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You know, disagreement with a spouse, a dispute uh, with a friend, a standoff with a child. You can choose the way of folly, Proverbs says. A harsh word, just kind of like throwing petrol on the fire. We can pause, take a breath, rest a hand tenderly on their shoulder and speak a gentle word and put a fire out. Which really leads to a key idea in Proverbs if we are to speak words of life. Proverbs 25.11 Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word aptly spoken. Actually, on a number of occasions, the, the book of Proverbs talks about the wise person speaking the apt and fitting word, knowing just what is needed to be said in that moment. You know, I read those, those kind of verses and I, and I find myself thinking, oh, to, to be like that. I often find myself in conversation thinking, what's the best and most helpful thing to say right now? I don't know if that's you as well. I wish I knew what was uh, apt and fitting in this moment. Um, how do I become that wise person in Proverbs? Well, here is the secret in Proverbs to always having the apt and fitting word to say. In Proverbs, the person who speaks words of wisdom is also a great listener. In contrast, the fool in Proverbs, they, they prattle, they always have to give their opinion. So Proverbs 10:19, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. Proverbs 18.2, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. Or Proverbs 12.5, the way of the fool seems wise to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Uh, you get the idea, don't you? Uh, the fool prattles, chatters, speaks before listening, but the, the wise, they fear God. They know that he, not me, is the source of all wisdom and insight and knowledge. And so they listen to the wisdom of others. They hold their tongue and so they store up knowledge so that when they do speak, because Proverbs is all for the wise person speaking, when they do speak, they've done so much listening beforehand that they then have the apt and the fitting word to say. Um, in his book, Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer has a chapter called uh, The Ministry of Listening. Uh, and he writes that there are many times when listening can be a greater service than speaking. Uh, Bonhoeffer warns in that chapter of the, the danger of a kind of listening with half an ear that presumes already to know what the other person has to say. Oh, that sounds like me. <laughs> Um, this, Bonhoeffer says, is an impatient, inattentive listening that is only waiting for a chance to speak. Um, me again. <laughs> but Bonhoeffer takes it another step further, and I think this is where I found myself being most um, confronted and convicted. Bonhoeffer writes, He who can no longer listen to his brother will soon be no longer listening to God either. 
He'll be doing nothing but prattle in the presence of God too. This is the beginning of the death of the spiritual life. Anyone who thinks that his time is too valuable to spend keeping quiet will eventually have no time for God, but only for himself and for his own follies. Uh, Bonhoeffer says, you start to get into the habit of not listening to other people, just prattling in the presence of your spouse or your children or your friends, your classmates, your colleagues, whoever it is. And Bonhoeffer warns, it won't be too long before you just start prattling in the presence of God too. Too enamored with our own thoughts to listen even to him any longer. Uh, Because we no longer, to use the language of Proverbs, fear him. Because we already think, well, we know everything. So Proverbs says, choose the wise way. Choose to listen. Because good listening is the key to being able to speak with wisdom, the apt and fitting word. Well, I guess you could finish there in one sense. That's sort of summarising some of the teaching of, of Proverbs. But, but if I were to finish there, I think probably one of two things would happen. I know that one of two things would happen for me. I'd go out to morning tea, and before morning tea is even over, I would have failed with my words and feel crushed. Or I'd go out to morning tea and succeed and speak wonderfully and listen well and so grow proud, only to inevitably fail and then be crushed. (laughs) No, we can't finish uh, just there. And that is why any reflection on words, we need to go to the Word himself, don't we? The Word become flesh. Uh, We're in Matthew 12, our first reading there this morning. Jesus says, what is our speech? It's a reflection of the heart, isn't it? If we want to be one like the one in Proverbs who is like a fountain of life, overflowing with words of life and healing and hope and blessing and truth, Jesus says that overflow only comes from a changed heart. Like an apple tree, verse 33 of Matthew 12, is recognised by the apples that it produces. So, verse 35, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Our words, they are a little window into our heart. Verse 34 of Matthew 12, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You want to be the person who speaks words of life? I do. (laughs) Whose mouth overflows like a fountain of life, speaking words that bring life and healing and hope and truth to people. The truth of the gospel, the truth of what they need to hear. Well, those words come out of our mouth from a heart which has found life in him that continues to go and feed on him and receive life from him. As one writer says, God means to be a fountain of life for us so that out of that abundance, our life is found in him. We receive life from him. Out of that abundance, our mouths can be a fountain of life for others. Friends, it says our our hearts find life in him as we feed on him for the source of all life. So what overflows from our life are words of life. 
So let us never stop going to Him, going to Him for life, so that we might speak words of life, not words of death. When I pray, Father God, in you alone are the words of eternal life. You are the source of all life. We pray that we might rejoice in that, enjoy that, celebrate that, feel and change our hearts all the more so that our words, our lips might overflow uh, with words of life, words people need to hear, words that heal and restore. Amen.